Hello, my name is Tim Lee, and my guests in this episode of Leader Life are Keith and Lori Webb. Keith is the author of the book, The Coach Model, and together, Lori and Keith lead a coaching training organization called Creative Results Management. In episode one of Leader Life, I interviewed my friend Larry Spousta. I mentioned that I met Larry at a training in Seattle. Well, it was actually Keith and Lori's coaching mastery training where we met. The Webbs are strong leaders who have a great hands-on approach to helping people learn and grow. In this interview, you'll have a chance to hear about coaching directly from Keith and Lori. They also share several stories about how coaching has helped them as leaders and as a married couple. But the real reason I wanted to talk with them is because they're what you might call a power couple. Watching them work together in Seattle, it was clear that they strengthen and challenge each other. But it was also obvious that they love each other a lot and they love working together. I wanted to hear them talk about their leadership life as individuals and as a couple. I had a feeling that they'd have some pretty good insights and they certainly didn't disappoint. I especially appreciated their thoughts on parenting and mentoring. There's a lot of great content in this interview with Keith and Lori Webb, so let's get right to it. So hi, Keith and Lori. It's so good to have you here on our show today. I'm just so honored that you guys would take the time. Um, I do know that not everybody that would be a listener to this show might know who you are yet. My goal is that by the end, not only they know you, but they're going to love you like I do. Um, can you just take a few minutes and just shamelessly plug yourselves? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Um, I'll fill in if I feel like uh, you haven't bragged about yourself enough. Okay. Well, Tim, thanks for having us on. It's, it's great to be on your show. appreciate the opportunity and, uh, and it's an honor to be here. Uh, Lori Webb and Keith Webb, that's who we are. I'm and, here too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have been married how long? 29 years. 29 years. And uh, that's in going strong. And we lived in Asia for, worked and lived in Asia for 20 years. We were 10 years in Japan, five years in Indonesia, and five years in Singapore, and have now lived in the Seattle area for the last seven. And uh, during that time, we've been working with nonprofits, Christian nonprofits, and um, doing various uh, different things. And over that period of time, we had sometimes where we worked closely together. We were helping to start a new church in Japan. And so we actually, that met in our house. And so everything was together during those years. And then Indonesia, or, uh, Indonesia years, uh, the kids were small and we kind of divided and conquered. And so the things kind of uh, uh, were had different. We both had different focuses of what we did. And then uh, that's when we got into coaching as well. And uh, both of us became professionally um, certified coaches. And I developed a curriculum that has since gone global. And uh, both of us trained that. And so we worked together in that since uh, for about the last 10 years, we've done that. And so that's kind of what we're up to. Tell us a little bit about what that is then. You, you said there's this new thing, this coaching, you got into that. So there's something called Creative Results Management, which is a growing business where you're uh, training coaches. So can you talk a little bit about exactly what that looks like, what that is? Yeah, yeah. So we're one of the larger uh, companies that are training or organizations that are training Christian nonprofit leaders. And that's our main focus of who we are training. 
And so we have uh, several different types of training that we do that helps people out. They are all approved by the big international coach federation, the largest marketplace coaching association. And so all of our training is approved by that. So people can go on and get certified in that. But more than the certification, what people gain through our training is they learn basically the, my little tagline is if you change your conversations, you'll change your results. And that's held true for Lori and I uh, in our marriage as we change our conversations with each other. It changes the results we get with our teenagers uh, with and, and then in the work I do. So whether that's whether it's um, in a ministry type setting where I'm, I'm doing something along the lines of discipleship or something like that, or whether it's supervising people or um, developing leaders, wherever that is, if we change our conversations, have different kinds of conversations, we will uh, see different results. And so that's what we're up to. So we do a professional length training six times a year in uh, different spots around the world. So four times in the U.S. and twice outside. And uh, Lori is a part of those trainings as well as the, um, some of the follow-up work that is done through um, Zoom, through the same platform. Yeah, and I know that follow-up work, Lori, with you really well, because you were the one walking me through that after I did the coaching training with you guys in Seattle. Actually, that's where we met. Yeah. Um, and really just came to love the two of you and be really inspired by you as individuals and a couple. Um, Lori, your husband Keith was just saying a minute ago, you guys had different focuses when you were in the field doing missions work, um, and now you are doing coaching um, can you talk a little bit about what those different focuses were? Sure. Happy to. And thanks again, Tim, for having us both on. It's really a pleasure um, to meet with you. So like Keith said, when we were in Japan, before we had kids, we both were full partners in planning the church and doing the ministry. So we really worked side by side as full partners. And that was our hope and our intention. And that was realized then we had um, our two kids and then moved to Indonesia. And when we were discerning where do we move next, what's the next calling that the Lord has for us, I just told Keith, I want to pull back and raise these kids and really have that be my focus when they were little babies. I said, I can do that anywhere in the world. So let's really seek a place where the Lord feels like he's calling you to develop you and us as a family and what would benefit the ministry the best. And so then we moved to Indonesia, and I loved on these kids, and I have zero regrets, really happy for that. And then once they got older in school, I was at a place that I said, I kind of want to retool and freshen up my skill set, and actually took an assessment called the Berkman assessment, and coaching came up as one of the top things that I'm naturally good at. So then Keith and I, with our little kids, left them with their second grade teacher for a week and went off to Sydney, Australia to coach you, which is a professional level coaching school. That's a marketplace coaching school. And we both went there and, and got our similar, similar to what we teach, the coaching mastery and did that full week coaching. And then I thought, Keith, we can do this together. And so it was fabulous. So we started off together and then went kind of, I pulled back to be with the kids more. And then when the kids were older, we're able to partnership together. And now um, we train together and then I do most of the teleclass training as well as the, I'm the lead mentor coach. So it's really great that we both now can have, contr contribute to the same ministry. 
Awesome. I love it. Uh, I want to talk more about your relationship and kind of how the two of you work together. But just in case there's anybody listening who's not yet familiar with coaching, can you give just a quick like minute or two kind of synopsis of what coaching is? How is it different than counseling or just regular mentoring? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion out there because uh, coaching's become a popular uh, thing and a popular term. So everyone's renamed whatever they do with anyone coaching, <laughs> which isn't quite very helpful. There's actually distinct. Uh, there's actually distinct practices and behaviors that are coach that are considered um, uh, professional style coaching and, and competencies and competencies. And so. Uh, those, so some of the, for example, some of those are in coaching, you don't tell them that your advice or give them or teach them instead you draw out from people. And so in a Christian sense, the way we think about it is, uh, is a mentoring or a teaching you're putting in what the Holy Spirit's given you. Right. And in coaching, you're drawing out from the person what the Holy Spirit's put in them. And so it's a drawing out function. And so we, the skills that we use to draw out are skills that we've heard, we heard, we've heard of. <laughs> we think we do, we can do, but we're not very good at. Especially ministry folks, you know, it's listening, asking questions, and powerful questions, powerful questions, question. and we're like terrible at it. When it, when it just comes right down to it, because we love to tell our stuff, and we love to talk about our advice and share our Bible knowledge and so on. So. Uh, coaching is about drawing out. And so that's in a nutshell um, what, what coaching is about. And so because of that, leaders know uh, about, you know, asking questions, but they realize really quick that they're not very good at it. And we've found ways to train people in how do you ask powerful questions that brings people to self-reflection and self-realization as to what they should do. So then they make their own action steps and then they keep responsibility fully for what they're doing. And so that, you know, as a leader, I'm trying to keep the monkey off my back, right? So I don't want people coming and dumping their stuff on me and now all of a sudden I'm responsible for it. And that's what coaching does so well is it keeps all the stuff on them and out of their own motivations and out of their own skills and so on. Coaching has completely revolutionized the way that I'm I'm serving and leading people. Uh, I'm so interested in hearing about that from the two of you, Lori. You were just saying a minute ago that you took the Berkman, and that's just this revolutionary moment in your life where it kind of tells you. I remember when I took the Berkman, it affirmed some things and tweaked some things in my own perspective about myself. I'd love to hear as you are just getting into that, thinking whether it's about coaching or or whatever other stuff our listeners might be digging into in their own lives, as God began to reveal to you this coaching conversation and, and even this coaching calling, what were your personal journeys as individuals and as a couple to getting into that? Lori, you said it, it just was there in the Berkman. Mm-hmm. Keith, if anybody's read the book, the coach model that you wrote, uh, you are pretty open about your own challenges with being a teller in the beginning. I can definitely relate to that. Um, so how, how quickly did you take to it? Was it challenging? What were some of the lessons and experiences you learned along the way? Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to speak to that. So for me, I am, um, a huge extrovert, love to meet with people. And, um, I find it very easy to listen to people. And so when I first started out in coaching, it was, 
I kind of used to have coffee conversations with my friends all the time. And I'd hear from them and I'd be able to empathize with them and really walk alongside them so they felt encouraged. But what coaching has helped me do personally is move from a coffee conversation to a coaching conversation. So the first part of that is all still there, empathizing, listening well, really giving them acknowledgement for what they're walking through. And coaching has helped me to think, how can I ask them, that's one thing you could do to help move forward so you could overcome this. Who could you ask to support you in this new challenge? What ideas do you have if you could just imagine a different outcome, what ideas do you have of what that would look like? And what, and what one small step could you take towards that? Those are some types of examples of questions I could ask. And when I first started coaching, I had a girlfriend who had a hard life event hit her. And then I started asking these questions and she said, I'm walking away from this conversation so light and encouraged and feel like there's possibility to move forward and then she said wait a minute did you just coach me <laughs> and I told her I'm being the best friend that I can and so I'm just being your friend and in my head I'm thinking yes I'm using coaching skills to help you not just feel heard and empathize but to give you possibilities on how you can move forward so that's one way how it, in the beginning it really helped me. And then with our marriage too, it's, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. So I want to come in that, that even right as she was beginning to do that training, before she did the training, she was having these um, prayer time and coffee conversations with people, but it was just kind of um, informal and un, uh, just kind of one-off type of thing. And as we talked about, uh, she processed her Berkman where she could be in relationship with people and see change happen as she invested in their lives. What she didn't have was a platform mm -hmm. and she didn't have the, it was structure. like the structure or the excuse. Cause she felt funny to say, well, let me mentor you, you know, because here, here she's, you know, you mentor, I always think of somebody being with gray hair and all that. And this is Indonesian days and we didn't have any gray hair back then. And so it was the, the structure wasn't there. And so what we found, what, what she found was that getting some coaching training allowed her to have a structure and to actually be able to invite people into an ongoing meeting relationship instead of just uh, one time hear their problems, say, I'll pray for you. And then you might not, you know, see them again for another month or two. Mm -hmm. And what that did, I'll just tag team on that, is that there's an expectation that's laid that I'll, you know, an expectation that God is at work and God is revealing himself to you and looking for that in the current situation. And how can God help you realize your situation in larger perspective, see that there's a lot of other resources available, people resources. So you're not alone in this process, either facing a challenge or moving towards a goal that is something that you've always wanted to do, but have felt stymied and haven't had the support you need to do it. So coaching has really helped me personally with that. And it's just a joy as Tim, I was able to mentor coach you, see you just blossom and you're naturally gifted and all of that. And to see um, this coaching really benefits in so many different areas, not just if you're a professional coach, but like you said, in our marriage, with the teenagers, with friends, community, 
been a huge blessing. And thank you again. Uh, you are the greatest mentor coach. So uh, many, many kudos to you. Uh, it, it is amazing. It, just as you, I, I could share stories myself and just getting to hear the two of you talk about that as you're just getting started, where it kind of is organic. And and then the more you begin to get, the, as you say, keep the platform it's just incredible how God positions you for that. Did you find that as you began to get those tools that there were more opportunities that God was putting in front of you or, or were, or was it a different experience where maybe you were suddenly realizing you were more successful in the opportunities that you already had? So it's, it's opportunities are an interesting thing. So opportunities are actually all around us, but usually we don't have the eyes to see them. Um, or we haven't done the, the uh, skill work or prep work, uh, you know, in our own skill work to be able to take advantage of those opportunities to and to mm-hmm. be able to respond. So uh, so what we saw was we, we were um, suddenly both she and I were able to um, spot opportunities and then uh, and then uh, pursue them. And so she already had all these women who, who would tell her she's uh, super insightful, super encouraged to be with her, uh, loved all that. And so, but, but yet because there wasn't any kind of um, structure and it's just kind of a coffee thing, the, the, that other person felt funny to keep asking to meet with her and she felt a little funny to keep, you see what I mean? Yeah. And it's with, the, with the structure in there, suddenly she could just simply invite them to, how about we meet every week for the next couple of months, just as you're walking and I'll walk with you through this thing. And the people were like, yes. <laughs> and, and so, so that opportunity was actually there, but, um, but her ability to uh, recognize it and then seize it wasn't there until she did a bit of work for it. And the same thing I could say for me too. I've, I've had many opportunities show up and it's, it's funny how the opportunities emerge as you step out yourself. Right. Right. Well said. Uh, so I want to take a little bit of a turn now and talk uh, uh, maybe on a larger picture. You guys have served in this role now for a number of years, two decades on the missions field. You've been parents. Your kids are are, are growing. They're kind of in that young adult uh, age. So you've got a lot of things that you could look at and say that, that you could gauge whether or not you've been successful. And I'm always so curious when I sit down and talk to leaders to hear how they would define success. So when you think about your missionary days, your work with creative results management and coaching and as parents and as a couple, is it all the same definition of success? How do you talk about whether or not you're successful? Yeah, it changes. (laughs) That's a really big question too, lots of aspects. I'll speak to part of it to start with. Thinking of um, my my own personal development as a um, leader, I've had I feel like um, the Lord's granted me a lot of success, and I've done a lot of the work to prepare myself to be in this place. I'm just humbled that I get to work with leaders like you, Tim, and a lot of the other leaders that come to our coaching mastery course. Honestly, I could be sitting at their feet, and they could be mentoring me on so many areas of life. And yet this season of life, I have this one specialty, this slice of the pie where I get to assist leaders with mentor coaching and speak 
into their lives and pull out of them what they're doing well, look at areas that they could improve on, and then together we co-create strategies so these leaders then can move forward and empower the leaders that they're working with in a more um, intentional and um, way that serves them and honors the Lord. So I'm just thrilled for that slice of where I am at this season of life to be able to have that. So seeing leaders um, really move forward. And a lot of the leaders I work with are in their, you know, they're starting in their 20s, 30s, 40s, even 60s. We have a 70-year-old join and says, I still have good years left and I want to change and adapt. And I'm just humbled by their learning posture. So it's a privilege that I'm at the place where I am right now. Very cool. For me, it's, um, so I went to Japan and and wanting to make a big impact. And there's half of 1% of the population in Japan are Christian. Half of 1%. I mean, it's crazy how uh, few. And so I go there wanting to make a lasting impact and make a mark on the country, not for my own sake, but for the sake of the kingdom and um, to feel, to, to participate and do something like that. And after 10 years there, I looked, I looked back a little bit later and I thought, wow, I was there really about accomplishing something for the kingdom there. And I think really what God had for me was what he was going to do in me, not through me. And, and so then I felt all mature because now I'm, uh, you know, young 30s and I'm like, okay, but now as we head to Indonesia, now it's going to be God doing something through me, you know, now that's going to be the impact. And uh, so then I get to Indonesia and, and sure enough, after about five years there, suddenly I, I, you know, we're transitioning again and I'm looking back over the five years and you usually have to look back to reflect well. <laughs> so I'm looking back and I'm thinking, yeah, I really wanted to make an impact here, but I think I, I think the biggest what God was doing was working on me and in me, and He's not so much the impact through me. And I'm like, okay, God, that's fine. I'm happy for what You've done in me, but I'd really love for You to do something through me. <laughs> and I think that that's a I, I think that's a thing that uh, that many leaders um, struggle or uh, not struggle with struggle with or face or so on is which we want to make this impact out there but I think really God's concerned about what's going on in here but I think that the things that happen in here don't happen until you're going for it out there that's how these things tie together so this so the uh, the definition of success of just be faithful I don't buy it at all. Not, not the just. Be faithful, yes. Be faithful and work your butt off, you know, and be involved and go for it and step out and take risk. Yes, all of that. Um, and so that's the be faithful and those things. Yes, that's a big deal. And that's how we've, um, that's how we've acted. And uh, we've really put ourselves in some uncomfortable situations and um, um, so Indonesia was totally uncomfortable for us um, in many different regards. And, uh, and then so was Singapore, so was everything. So, uh, and then even now in my current role, uh, running an or, uh, beginning an organization and running an organization, I don't want to do that. All I want to do is write and speak uh, and go travel to new places, you know. And, uh, but I'm having to curb those things 
because I think God has something more for us than me just having a fun time doing what exactly appeals to me. So I think success is the be faithful, but it's also step out, take risks, and do what he's um, called you to do. Would you be able to take those definitions, as, as Lori, you said, that success, you find success as you can see the slice of the pie that you can offer to somebody in a different season of life, and that slice might change from season to season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, Keith, that you, that you would define success as certainly going and doing and taking risks, but equally recognizing that God is doing something in you as much, if not sometimes more, than what he might do through you. Can you, can you apply those definitions of success to every area of your life or do you have to tweak them a little bit for your, when you're parenting or when you're coaching or if you go back onto the missions field in some regard? So for our marriage, for example, our new definition for successful marriage is our connectivity. Our, our connectivity for relationship, spiritual, um, things we enjoy. So that's my success. Actually, the definition for marriage and coaching has really helped us because it sounds silly, but we fight better now that we are coaches. For example, I don't view him as the, okay, I have to push my agenda. He has to push his agenda. I really am seeking now. This is what I'm thinking. How do you view the situation? Because we're obviously have different perspectives. We're both pretty strong individuals and um, tend to think our way is the best. So really it's helped us as a couple to think, okay, we both think that way, yet obviously we love each other and committed. I really want to shift my perspective to understand really what's happening inside my spouse, what's he thinking, so I can better understand that we can move forward together. And he as well will say, just just yesterday, he says, I really want to connect with you. It's been a busy season. I just want to hear from you. What is going on in you? So I feel like this whole coaching paradigm and the competencies we teach really apply in our marriage as well yeah because in the in the uh not too long ago past it'd be like well if she's a problem she'll let me know you know and then i'll fix it (laughs) (laughs) two two very unhelpful things in marriage by the way (laughs) which doesn't help with our connectivity at all exactly we used to I, i joked that that uh, uh, pre-learning to coach, we used to fight with statements. You know, you did this and you said that and you said this. And, you know, it's just all statements at each other. And then uh, once we learned to, yeah. And then once we learned to coach, we would ask questions. What did you mean by that? How did you <laughs> think I would receive it when you said I look like that? You know. <laughs> but it's funny because uh, statements tend to to spiral the um, the conversation to be more um, tense and more adversarial. Adversarial, whereas questions uh, sometimes it'll lower it uh, if they're good questions, but if they're loaded questions, but it at least keeps it at the same level, if not lowering the thing. So uh, we joke about that, but yeah, it is true that we've um, we've definitely shifted in our communication. That's some great marriage advice in there, by the way. Thank you for that. Uh, I'll I'll make sure that I I keep notes on that for my own marriage. As you have been married for a few years, you've been in ministry for a few years, coaching for a few years, you're very, very busy people. You were just commenting to that a moment ago as well. Uh, How do you avoid being burnt out with all of the stuff that you guys have going on all the time? 
it's <laughs> how do I avoid it? I'm gonna say I'm on a three-year cycle, burnout, <laughs> recovery, and then and then heading towards burnout again. Now so you embrace the process. Yeah, I, I just embrace burnout. You know, You're the it's phoenix of, of the kingdom. God. It's one of God's building blocks. In <laughs> now I'm a I'm a super um, high capacity, um, high activity person, and um, so. So that is you're, it's definitely something I touch on. So one of the, the, the one of the ways is the and a key way to avoid burnout is to get focused. So I've got to get focused in there. I have to know what's my responsibility. What am I supposed to be doing? And then focus on that and not take everybody else's responsibility. And uh, so Sam Metcalf, uh, the president of Church resource ministries has a a saying he likes to say that need does not constitute calling. And I think this is something every pastor needs to hear. Need does not constitute calling. In other words, just because you see a need does not mean you are called to meet it. And I think that's a huge thing. That's, that's speaking to focus and prioritization and living out of your calling, living out of your giftedness rather than just trying to do everything that you have a good idea for. Or I, I have, uh, both Lori and I both have uh, a, a lot of um, uh, experience. And so there's a lot of things we could be involved in. And there's a lot of things we could do and we could do pretty well. But that doesn't mean we should be doing those things. And that's what I think keeps you from burnout is identifying. So what should we be doing? And just doing those things, and I, and that is way easier said than done. Um, and it's a, you know, it's been a, it's a year's struggle, and it probably always will be. Things that really help me is I'm really grounded in. I have a group of about six women that I meet with every week, and we pray and share life together, and not and just help each other out. And so that for me is a breath of fresh air. I mean, spiritually, relationally, community-wise. So that's one thing that I'm really grateful for that I encourage all leaders to have. Someone there they can feel real with, share when things are hard, um, have that transparency and also that confidentiality, especially as pastors or other leaders that have a high profile. You need those safe people that you can share with. So, And then another thing that I do personally, and we do this in the Coaching Mastery course, there's something called daily gainers so it's just a small 10 things to do every day at the end of the day it's not anyone should know what your spouse your boss or anyone tells you you should do but at the end of the day if you did these 10 things you would have more joy and energy in your life for example my 10 daily gainers are walk outside every day see the sunlight walk in my garden and with a cup of tea and relax and breathe laugh with my kids instead of just telling them to do their homework and get their chores done. Um, connect with Keith. Um, listen to music that's uplifting. And I like to listen to music really loud. <laughs> so um, those are some examples of things. Um, you know, be healthy, walk, do my exercise. So at the end of the day, those small things, if I do every day, it change, it's new rhythms, basically. It's rhythms putting in your life spiritual community, health, that, um, and just joy and beauty. I really want to surround myself with joy and beauty. And so those are some things that have helped me get some more balance 
and maybe avoid some burnout. That's fantastic. Keith, were you going to add something to that? Yeah, one of my habits, so just to share, because I, I guess my uh, focus was, that's a little bit more theoretical, but one of the habits I actually do is, so I travel um, quite a bit. So I'm gone at, at least a, a long week a month, if not a couple of shorter trips a month. So I travel a lot, but then when I'm back, I'm back. So that's one of the things is when I'm home, I'm home. I work from home. But so, for example, when the kids would come home in middle school and high school, uh, I would come out of my office and sit with them while they're having their snack. After school snack. After school. Even when they're saying nothing and not really talking to us, I'd still be out there. And when they had basketball games and football games, I went. And even coming back straight from the airport, straight to the basketball game, I mean, my son's out there playing and I show up midway through the second quarter and they, you know, they're walking back to their positions because he's on the court and I'm walking along the court and he goes, Hey dad, welcome home. You know? <laughs> and then he, you know, and then they blow the whistle and he's back playing again, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think that that's a, that's a big thing. If you travel a lot, you, you need, uh, I think that the, if you travel a lot, you're away for 24 hours a day for however many days. So when you come back, it's, it's engaging in different ways. And so um, I think that we did that pretty well um, in how we engaged because she would also include. So it's not just me having the mindset to say I'm going to engage, which is a huge part of it. But it's also her having the mindset of he's Keith wants to engage and I'm going to include him because what happens is, is they start living life without me quite well. Yeah. And family and the yeah, family and don't need me around. And then when I come around, you know, and then, then I come back and they're like, you know, Hey, you're like a third wheel on this thing. You know, we got it going. And so, um, so she was good at, at, um, um, uh, being ready for me to engage that way too. Hmm. It sounds like so much of what has made your family and your marriage so successful for all these years is just your growth in considering the other person. Yeah, I I think that's, I read this marriage book way back before I got married and it said, uh, if you go into a marriage thinking it's 50-50, you're always going to feel ripped off because it's pretty much human nature to feel like I'm doing 80 or 90% of the work here. And in the meantime, she's feeling like, She's doing 80 to 90% of the work here. And so that to, instead to go into the, to the uh, philosophy with, I'm going to do hundred percent of the work and whether it feels like she's doing 20 or 30 or 80, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to do hundred percent. And then of course she has the same attitude and it's doing me the same way that she's pulling them, you know, she's pulling the main load here. Well, and that's, I think that that kind of attitude uh, keeps you both engaged. I think another thing you said about considering each other is, just realizing we're not mind readers and we're different types of people. And so just checking in is what I talk about. And I mean, so my son and I have really similar personalities. So I just naturally get what's going to motivate him and I can predict. And my daughter is really unique. And actually on the disc, if you're familiar with disc, we're cross axis. And so I do not have a natural understanding of what she likes. And so I just will ask her often, what would you like for me so you could feel loved and supported? What, this week, what do you need from me? What would you like for me? Um, what sounds like a fun vacation to you? That's a big thing because the three of us, three of the family members are really 
outgoing and um, adventurous. And one family member really likes steadiness and predictability. So for us to realize as a family, um, it's, it's really unfair and unloving if we always force our way on the whole family. So just checking in, what to you sounds like a relaxing vacation? What to you sounds like a fun family gathering? And realizing sometimes we'll meet our needs and sometimes we meet someone else's needs, but we're a family, so we don't get our way all the time. And again, the goal is connectivity. And so for us to be able to consider the other person's feelings, like you said, was really um, accurate. That's awesome. Uh, okay, guys, you have just been such a gift uh, to take the time. I want to be really considerate of the time that you have. I know you're very busy people and also just got back from a vacation. So I want to let you guys continue just to enjoy each other. Uh, and your son, Ben, is home from college. So I know he's going to want some FaceTime with mom and dad. So let me just shoot a couple of wrap-up questions that I like to ask towards the end uh, of each interview. Uh, can you talk for just a quick second about the significance of some mentors in your life? Maybe one of the key lessons that somebody else has poured into you that's been meaningful or impactful for you. You have one? You go first. Hmm. Uh, specific one's not coming to mind. But by, so I get mentoring on whatever the thing is I'm struggling with. So when I was developing the organization, I struggled with different points. And so I go find specific mentors to help out. I have one that comes okay, to ahead. mind. So when I was in, um, one is when I was in college and kind of sorting out my own faith and figuring it out, I met with a mentor and I said, can we just meet and have coffee? Can we just meet and talk? And she always said, I'm happy to do that. And I'm really grounded in the word. And that's where I find this, you know, the, it's the book of life that tells you how to live. So I really want to make sure that that's our focus. And so I would say for me, that was significant. And we just had um, a colleague over just two days ago. And I was really reminded just to have, I mean, we are Christian leaders and yet to how does it infuse every area of our life and just to, as coaches, we're always wanting to pull out of the other person. And when it comes to family and other relationships, while that's true, my authentic self is I love Jesus and I'm grounded in pursuit and loving him and having him change me so I can love others better. So that advice has been um, amazing. Uh, Keith, anything, anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I'm still wondering what the, <laughs> all my mentoring has been just so practical. It's like how to, uh, how to fundraise or how to do this or how to do that. So it's not, uh, I don't have the, the cool little statement. Lori's writing something. You do what you tell me. Well, <laughs> you tell my, my mentor story. <laughs> well, I'll share on his behalf. So he had a season several years ago where he was really burnt out since you were asking about burnout before and he had a pastor who um, would just call him and basically remind him that this is a season of life and ask God, what is it that he's teaching you, even in the pain, even in feeling like there's silence and just ground him again that you are loved and accepted and forgiven by the Heavenly Father. He has a purpose for your plan. You may not see it. It may not be clear but just believing in that truth and just sometimes to have other people hold the faith for us when we're struggling and being in a community where people will hold that to you, I think is so important because as leaders, different seasons of life, 
we're strong, we can encourage others. And then there's other seasons where we need that strength and encouragement. So I would say that would be something that um, this mentor um, did for Keith. I'm really grateful for. Awesome. Great example, by the way, of the two of you being a power couple. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, okay, last question. The memory of this couple here. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, last, last question for you guys. Um, you can answer this as a couple or as individuals if you want. Uh, if you were just in your 20s right now, getting started in 2017, the way the world is shaped, but with all your gifts and passions and ideas as a 20-year-old, what advice would you give to yourself just starting out right now? You go first. On okay. So um, one of the things that I'm seeing, well, what I give to my, the thing I'm noticing with 20 somethings is they've heard about calling. They've heard about giftedness. They've heard about strengths finder. And so they, they're trying to hone in on these things and uh, understand what their calling is and then live just out of that and live just out of their gifting and live just out of their strengths and so on. And unfortunately, that's not how it works. Um, and so what's got it, what someone in their 20 needs to do is work broadly, serve broadly, try out a lot of different things, because it may not be that the, that thing that you're doing really works for you that well, but there's something in doing it that develops you as a person or as a leader or as a minister or something like that. And if you don't do that, you're not going to experience that. And so what I see is that leaders in their twenties, they're focusing too young, too early. So they too narrow, too, narrow, too early. Um, people shouldn't begin to focus their careers and focus their, um, their, their ministry approaches and so on until mid thirties at the earliest. And I know that like, Oh, it's such an old person thing to say, you know, but okay. So I'm 53 now. So I guess I'm the old guy saying it, but in many ways, that's what we did. So we did a lot of different things and, um, and we didn't have the, um, the personal freedom to focus ourselves down. And, and like I said, I kept trying to make an impact in Japan. So I kept trying to focus it down, but really it was the fact that we did so many different aspects of it. And much of which I didn't like, I didn't feel gifted about, I didn't feel like I was that good at it or, or gifted in it. But, but because I did it, it developed things in me and my character that changed me and that affect me even to today. And I would have missed it if I if I had been just trying to be narrow. That's really fair to say. I have another take on that. So when I was in my 20s, again, I was in a, a prayer group. And the lady, the woman, the beautiful woman, Helen DeBell, who led this prayer group, I was, even before we were married, so I was in my young 20s, and she was in her 50s at the time. And it was invaluable to have a voice in my life that was a generation or two beyond me just to say okay you have all this passion you have all this energy and for her just to broaden my perspective and to be in a relationship with someone who's been there who's done that who could offer a lot more wisdom than I had was invaluable and even now I am really grateful to have different mentors in different seasons of life I meet with some people there's a new church planter that we 
Um, she's asked us to mentor her and yet I'm gaining so much new energy from meeting with her. So having different seasons of life leaders um, that speak into you and that you can speak into their life too, I think it's so helpful. And it's the whole body of Christ working. I mean, the body of Christ isn't just people like you, people are very different than you in different seasons of life. And then you get that iron sharp, sharpening iron. And again, just to open up and broaden your perspective. You know, so that's been helpful. There's a, you know, there's a saying you should have, um, you should have a, uh, be in relationship with someone 20 years older than you and 20 years younger than you. Hmm. And uh, so for someone in their 20s, so, you know, I was the young guy always looking for the ahead like this. And so I was missing the behind, you know, and there was younger. Maybe not 20 years and, if you're only 20. Yeah, you're, exactly. So that's what I'm saying, though, <laughs> is when you're in your 20s, you're only looking to those who are ahead of you, right? Sure. And so we, we tend to miss that. So as you slip into your 30s and into your 40s, you're not drawing down. And so that's actually an area for me is I'm, I'm looking for, so where's the mid thirties to late thirties person for me mm-hmm. that I'm, yes, I'll invest in, but I'm going to learn from as well. And, um, and then now the 20 years older is, uh, up into 70 and man, that's a totally different life stage. Um, so I tend to associate with people, uh, about, um, 10 years older than me and a few years younger than me. Uh, that's my my range, and and I'm I'm wanting to to expand that range. That's brilliant, guys. Thank you so much for just the just the natural advice that just pours out of your hearts. I'm so grateful just to be able to sit and listen and learn from you for the last few minutes. Uh, and I know folks that listen to this uh, podcast episode are really going to get a lot out of it. I'm probably going to go back and listen to this again myself. Uh, real quick, as we're wrapping up, if folks wanted to follow up, reach out to you, get in contact with you, how do they do that? Sure. Uh, I have a blog where I write up um, leadership articles. It's keithweb.com, keithweb.com. And then our training website is creative results Management. Dot com one big long word and uh, maybe you put that in the um, show notes but uh, and that's where you can get in touch with our, our training and as well um, if people have uh, further questions they can email um, off that website and um, our administrator will forward any emails that are directed towards us to us so really encourage that thank you for this opportunity Tim Awesome. Thank you. And one final plug, your book is available. Where, where can they buy it if they want to? Sure. Coach? Yeah, there's a, the coach model for Christian leaders is available at Amazon uh, on Kindle or in print. Um, and th- that is a how to book on coaching. So it actually tells you how to ask questions and do that. Then I have a really short book called coaching and ministry. It's 99 cents on Kindle probably take you an hour to read and it will tell you what I mean by coaching and what, you know, Tim and I and Lori have been talking about coaching, right? So people are like, what? I don't, I don't quite get it. So that book will talk about what's coaching and then what's the benefit of engaging with people in this way for people who are in ministry. And that's 99 cents on Kindle. Awesome. And worth every penny and then some. Uh, I gave that book to all of the leaders on my church staff and they've started playing around with coaching. I've given them your actual, the book, the coach model uh, and taken one or two leaders to some trainings already. And it's just begun to change the culture of the way we're serving people here uh, in, in my local context. So I highly recommend that people go out 
and get the book and follow up with you guys in any way that they might be interested. So thank you again, Keith and Lori Webb. You guys are rock stars. Thank you so much for your time. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks for having us on, Tim. You've been listening to Leader Life. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Keith and Lori Webb. You just heard them share a few ways you can connect with them, and you can find all that information listed in the show notes. If you like what you heard and you enjoy the show, I would be grateful for a helpful and positive review. Just a reminder, if you want to connect with me about anything I've shared so far or anything that you'd like to hear in the future, you can email me directly at leaderlifepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. We'll talk soon.